this is kind of like the culmination of a lot of my research is a lot of the like vibes that are hard to quantify. The vibes. The way that he gets described, like he gets called perfect so much, <laughs> which I feel like, um, I don't think professional athletes or athletes in general, like I feel like perfect is not generally something that gets assigned to athletes or like should technically be because it's like, well, who's really perfect as an athlete yeah. when you have stats? It's also like tough to call some guy perfect and then like if he messes up the next game. Yeah. Be like, oof. But he's considered one of the most consistent players in the league. He kind of generally is always voted like the NHL PA, which is like the NHL's player association, they do a bunch of polls, and one of the polls that they that Patrice Bergeron is frequently at the top of is like who's the most complete player. So players vote for who they think is the best in that way, and usually Sidney Crosby wins. Blah 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 blah. Sidney Crosby is a is a crybaby, not my problem. <laughs> Patrice Bergeron, on the other hand, is not a crybaby, and he's also genuinely one of, if not the best, like, two-way or defensive forward in the entire history of the NHL. Um, I think all of his stats kind of prove that. I don't really want to get into stats because I don't know enough about stats to, like, argue with someone who knew what stats were. Yeah. So Patrice Bergeron has been um, nominated for the Selkie. It's an award that's given to the player, like, a forward who is seen as the best defensive forward. Of the year. Yeah. And he's been nominated for it every single year since 2011 to 2012 when he won. The two years before that, he finished fifth and fourth in voting. But, like, nominees are third, second, first in voting. So he was he was a, a, a topic of conversation starting in 2009, 2010. But, like, he didn't win his first one until 2011, 2012, um, and has since won... One, two, three, four, five is this year. I thought it was five. Maybe I'm just uh, already Nine handing minutes. it to him this year. He's tied with Bob Gainey for the most ever. He he has been nominated a record like 10 straight seasons. Mm -hmm. Especially as you get farther into his career, he doesn't win it as much. Especially when there's various like years where he arguably like should have won. Yeah, he came in second a bunch of times. Second, right? third, third, second. There's three seconds there. And a lot of the discussion around why, like, when it comes to, like, voting season, the major thing with him is, like, voter fatigue, where the people who are voting for him, which I think is, like, the uh, some hockey writers association or something like that, um, a lot of them just complain that, like, well, yeah, we know he's the best, but we want to give it to someone else. And it's, like... This isn't a participation trophy. Yeah, it's, it's if someone's the best, then they should be. They can't get the any best. headlines like if he just wins every year. It's just so annoying because it's like, but he is better. Yeah. <laughs> but he was better at least a handful of these times and like should have won, and it's just completely framed around voter fatigue. And then there's also this, I think, concept that like people don't want him to outpace Bob Gainey and get five and be like the sole holder. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what Bob Gainey did, yeah. 
besides, like, do it a while ago, and I think the NHL just loves tradition. It's like with Ovi. Yeah. Like, people don't want him to get the most goals, and, like, there's a lot of reasons why that we get into, but I feel like one of the main things is just, like, this is how it is. Wayne Gretzky is the best. He's the great one. No one else, you can't, you can't, you can't do it. You're not better than Gretzky. You can't be. And no, in no metric are you allowed to be if he's in the, if he's in the first spot right now. They only started recording this stat in 2005, 2006, but he is the best face-off man in the NHL. So the end of the regular season of this year, which is 2021 to 2022, I think, he has won... 13,794 of 23,801 face-offs. You got some <laughs> gritty guys on this list here. I know. Kopitar, you... Koivu, Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, that is, I mean, it's weird that they just started recording the stat. Yeah, I don't understand why they didn't. But he's also like head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, the next person is Sidney Crosby, and he's won... 12,580. He's taken 300 more faceoffs, but one, like, I don't know, like a thousand less. So if you look at his Selkie wins, and then also, did I put up that photo ever? I didn't. I got a picture. Give me a second. It's actually kind of cool. It's one of the only ones that I, like, vaguely understand. (laughs) How do you mean? It's a stat. But it's oh, a picture oh, stat. Oh, a visual. Is a visual stat. And I was like, oh, statistic. I get this. I can do this. So it's puck retrieval versus puck battle win rate as bubble size for forwards at 5v5. And you can only be on it if you played more than 500 minutes. Very complicated sounding. But it's loose puck recoveries per 20 minutes of time on ice versus... Successful defensive touches that remove possession. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. Offense to defense ratio. Yeah, basically. And if you look at him, he's literally... The top right corner by a lot. Like, the, there's no one near him. On his own. It's so interesting also because then you have a Vashkin over here. Yeah, European. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. He's not getting gritty. He's not gritty enough. Well, I wonder why he's so bad on offense as well. Maybe it's just uh, he doesn't do loose pucks. Yeah, he probably good. doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he literally, clearly doesn't. Yeah, maybe he can't. Not good enough. <laughs> not good enough. Something's not right. But yeah, I just think this is really interesting. Yeah. A bubble. He's a grinder. Offense and defense. That's like all effort that's that too, like loose pucks. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the major things about the Bruins, kind of historically too, is that they're always a very defensive-minded team. They don't usually have like guys, you don't have guys who are scoring the way that some other teams that are like really... Not to toot our own horn, but, like, teams that have a lot of playoff success generally are a lot more offensive-minded than they are defensive-minded. And I just think it's really interesting that, like, especially when you look at the other, like, franchise faces that the Bruins have had in the different, like, eras, a lot of them have, it's been marked by, like, defensemen. So it makes sense that the only forward that, like, the Bruins would kind of accept as their, like, franchise face is an offensive player who plays like a defenseman. Yeah. It fits into the big bad Bruins thing. Exactly. In the whole like, you know. Yep. You know. The scrappiness and the, the scrappiness, the, the spunk lunch bee. the lunch pail. Yeah, lunch pail. AC virtues. Get your lunch pail and your hard hat. Then there's also that combination of like blue collar work that gets associated with 
like these defensively minded teams and it's like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. You make a lot of more money than a construction player or a construction like worker. I don't know. Yeah. If you're actually doing like a, it's weird. Cause it's like, There's yeah, you're using your hands and you are like sweating it y- out. Your body is deteriorating because of this. But how much? I don't know. Yeah, but it's easier to do it for a couple mil. Yeah, it's so much easier, obviously. Before David Pasternak, they kind of argue that he's one of the best draft picks that we've ever gotten. Because he was one, he was so low in the draft. The Bruins are bad at drafting, too. (laughs) We are consistently not very good at drafting. David Pasternak, great draft pickup. Bergeron, great draft pickup. Marshawn, great draft pickup. I feel like a lot of our draft pickups that are actually good are ones who are later on. They're not first-rounders. They're, like, second and yeah, third-round. Yeah. Which makes sense because it's, like, we are looking for grinders. It makes sense because all the first-round guys we get are terrible, too. So Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. The yeah, good yeah, players yeah, are going to have to come from the other rounds. Yeah, we got to pick. We gotta get them from somewhere else. It's kind of cool, though, because you have these players who are later in the, in the draft, and it's like, well, I can f- literally see that if I work hard enough, I can overtake a lot of players who should technically be better than me. Yeah, if you're willing to play the game right as long as you're do all the hard it. things. Get in there. That's why. Muck out those pucks. Bergeron's made a career off of just like... Working really hard. Doing the hard stuff. So then, if you look at any... He's got a bunch of other awards. Anytime that he gets an <laughs> award, literally regardless of what it is, he always turns it back to the team whenever he gets interviewed, which is, of course, another one of those things. It's like that like we selflessness... It's about the team. Yeah, it's like when you win, it's we. Yeah. When you lose, it's I. He does a good job. So he always turns it back to the team. He always like emphasizes, hockey's a team sport. I couldn't do this without my teammates. Like, winning a Stanley Cup is all that really matters. Like, I'm really, I feel really honored to have like received this award or have been nominated. Especially, he'll like specifically be like, I'm really like honored to have been um, nominated alongside like these exceptional players. And he like very like aggressively kind of removes himself as a thing as as a as a player and he's like no like it that just shows you like I do my job and like I'm glad you're recognizing my hard work but like I could not do this without the team also doing their stuff which is like um I think that's the goal of hockey and a lot of team sports is supposed to be that kind of that I don't know that perspective that you're looking at sports with but I feel like it actually, in practice, happens very infrequently. Yeah, it's it's tough because you can monetize yourself very easily. Like, just getting the recognition, people people kind of eat that up. They play for themselves. Winning is kind of just like a cool side effect. Um, and to like really just buy in that much and really be like that selfless. And also, like it's like the culmination of him like believing in all the other guys around him too, and like recognizing what they're doing for him. And that he couldn't be there alone, so he's not going to act like he, he did that by himself. So, yeah, humility is a big part of, like, being this type of leader that we've been talking about. The, uh, like, face of the franchise. Like, if you have some, some arrogant, like, brash guy that's in it for the individual stuff, probably not going to win that much. Kind of going off of that, knowing the players that you're playing with and, like, understanding how they are and kind of working with that. One of the other major things that people like are obsessed with Patrice Bergeron with is this like adaptability that he has as a player and his ability to play really well with 
kind of anyone. And like, it kind of has presented itself in a couple of different ways. There's a lot of like kind of young stud, young guns that he gets paired with. Yeah. So like, there's Tyler Sagan, David Poshnok, um, that like, and also you could say Brad Marchand technically in a similar way where it's like, you're there to be teaching them how to play in this professional environment. But also like, we need someone who can like match the speed and like the skill or whatever that we're, we're hoping we're going to get from this player. Um, I think that's more for Tyler Sagan and David Pasternak. I think that Brad Marchand, it's just like, you need a conscience. Yeah. You need a conscience close by. Yeah. <laughs> and then he also has the kinds of players like superstars who you have to play around them kind of. Like they have a more distinctive style. Like more... Crosby. Exactly. Yeah. So like Sidney Crosby, Yarmir Yeager, Mark Recchi are some of the types of players where it's like you're playing with them, but you're also playing like for yeah. them a little bit. Yeah, and it's kind of the, more about the, you facilitating. The old guys too, Yager, Recchi. Like Jerome McGinley when he was oh, on the team. You have all these guys that, like, uh, they were old and they joined the team, and you're like, oh, I want to win it for, like, this guy. Big fan. Big the, fan. The Crosby thing is, like, interesting because, like, Bergeron's used to being the guy. I mean, maybe now Pasternak's, yeah. like, the guy for us, but, like, Bergeron's, like, the main guy still. And then you get yeah. to that team of Crosby, and he, like, perfectly adapts to being, like, the, the second guy in the line. Yeah. And, like, that goes back to his, like, junior days. He was saying in some interview that I was watching with him um, that when he was in like the QMJHL, when he's in the junior leagues, so he's like 16, 17 years old, his coach basically was like, if you don't get better at everything else, you will never make it to the NHL. He was like, you cannot get to the NHL on your offensive skills alone. Like you're not a bad offensive player by any means, but like you will never be able to play as successfully as if you like start working on your face-offs and start working, like, on your defense and that sort of thing. So that's, like, the reason why he's become, I feel like, such a complete player is because so much of it has been pure effort. And then he also, so his coach, like, he's he's always been a center, but his coach was like, I'm going to start putting you on the right wing just because you need to have, like, multiple options and, like, multiple offerings as a player when you get drafted. But the idea that, like, he goes from, in his normal everyday life, like, as a Bruins player, he is, like, again, like you said, like, he's the guy. And then in order to be able to play internationally, he kind of has to take second fiddle to Sidney Crosby, which is, like... A pretty good player. No one's no <laughs> one's complaining to be his right wing, to like, to, to have to be his right wing. But it's also interesting because Sidney Crosby is a player who, like... it. He's a guy who needs so, a certain type of player... To play with him. He needs his Evgeny. <laughs> yeah, he needs that. He needs someone to be on his side. And, like, Patrice Bergeron has filled that role not only as, like, Sidney Crosby's right wing, but also, like, during the Olympics, he was just there to kill penalties and take face-offs. Yeah. And he was, like, the 10th player on the team. This was 2010, so we had just come back from two concussions. Yeah, Sochi, right? He grinded his way with the Olympic team, like... And it's the Canadian Olympic team, so it's and it's like the, 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 the best team. It's tough, yeah. And they're playing at home, so everyone's, like, juiced up about that. And he still grinds his way to the first line. And like, he was not even supposed minutes. to be, like, a real player on that team. Like, he was really just an extra. He was the only player who was added who didn't go to training camp. Everyone thought it was going to be, like, a shit show, basically. And they were, like, mad that he was even allowed to be on the team after coming back from injury. 
So just so crazy that all these things happened. And then he was like, ha, I did it. Fuck you guys. Yeah. And then he didn't even say fuck you guys. Yeah, he's too nice. But I think especially as Patrice Bergeron gets older, he'll be 37 next season in a league where playing a season at the age of 40 puts you on a list of oldest players in league history. Um, and he spent, and he'll have spent more time playing for the Bruins than he spent doing literally anything else. I think that we're kind of on the cusp of exiting this like Patrice Bergeron era, which is ultimately who I think the team feels defined by the most in the wake of like Ray Bork's departure. And you have that kind of like two years of uncertainty where it's Joe Thornton or maybe like there's more than two years, but there's two years before Patrice Bergeron enters the scene and after Ray Bork has exited where it's just kind of everyone thinks that it's going to be Joe Thornton and it's not going well. I think that like looking back on it, this project has really made me see like how much this era of like Bruins hockey has been like defined by Bergeron himself as a player. I don't know. Yeah. Just been thinking about it. You don't normally get lucky enough to have a guy like that on the team for that long. Who's only ever played with one team. That's so infrequent that that happens. To have played over a thousand games with one team. And also, like, I've said it before, but, like, the quote-unquote hometown discount, which is when players take less money to stay wherever they are. Like, he could make a lot more money on the free market than he makes in for the Bruins and a lot of players are the same a lot of players on the Bruins could make more money but he's also set that expectation or he's kept that expectation that was set at the very least by Ray Bork I'm sure it was before that that you take a discount to make your team more playoff viable he stays because he likes it too yeah he likes likes it he likes the market he likes the people he's lived here more than he has anywhere else yeah Hopefully he'll stick around. Honestly, if we win the Cup this year, it's over. If we don't, maybe he'll get That's one more fine, year. That's fine, though. If we win, he deserves to walk off into the sunset. Yeah, he does. More than anyone. Yeah. We did it. You did it. Congratulations. Thank you.